on air, online, on Twitter. Jennifer Campbell is always on. Unfiltered, opinionated, and ready to speak her mind at a moment's notice. This is the Jennifer Campbell Show on 570 News and Rogers TV Cable 20. No, there ain't nothing that I gotta prove. You think your words will make me black and blue, but I, I think I'm pretty with these old boots on. I think it's funny when I drink too much. You try and change me, you can go to hell. Cause I don't wanna be nobody else. I like the chip I got in my front teeth. And I got bad tattoos you won't believe. So pick out the jams, pick up the soul. Pour another glass of that rock and roll. Turn up the band, find the hole, gonna lose control tonight. What do you well, good morning to you as the heat wave continues. I'm so drawn to sing heat wave, but I'm not going to other than that thing that I just did. <laughs> and uh, we're going to have a look in just a second about what's going to happen when this heat wave will end and what our fall forecast is going to look like. Because I just saw something pop up on um social media, like one of those memory kind of things that showed me that my kids were swimming in the pool uh, last September the 28th. And I remember, do you remember how it was still so hot um, and lovely? And then we had this dilemma, like, well, gosh, it's, it's Oktoberfest, it's Thanksgiving, we should probably close this pool. Who do you think we are, the Rockefellers? I'm not heating this sucker into November. Um, so, and, and uh, we're going to find out if perhaps we'll be swimming until late September, uh, coming up in just a few minutes. So what are we doing today? There is a story that has gone very viral. You've probably seen this one this morning about this Canadian bridezilla who um, asked her friends to pay for her wedding. So th- th- here's how it went. Come to the wedding, but only come to the wedding if you can uh, pay $1,500. You had to pay to go to the wedding. $60,000 wedding and uh, didn't end well. She's now disowned her friends and family in a foul mouth Facebook rant. I have investigated it because as I was reading it, just just Google right now, Canadian Bridezilla. If you have 10 minutes, read this rant because you'll be you'll be kind of like, is is this is this real? And from all accounts that I can find, it is real. Weddings uh, on average about $27,000, but you don't have to usually pay to go to them, or do you? Let's talk uh, about unreasonable wedding requests coming up in a few minutes. We're also going to talk to Lynn Perry. She's the executive director of the Cambridge Shelter Corporation about a new project between Bridges Shelter and the Cambridge Mill uh, that is giving um, homeless people jobs and some hope uh, and some amazing skills too. After 9.45, uh, producer Aaron Anderson and I are kind of, I don't know, if it, can we say excited about this? Because it sounds weird when we say excited about this. She sent me this yesterday and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, North America's first sex doll brothel is going to open in Toronto. Uh, in the north end of Toronto, the sex workers aren't real women. They're high-tech sex dolls made of silicone. I don't know about you. I have questions. 
I have inappropriate jokes over here. I have questions over here. Is there a place for this? Is there a purpose for this? And is this an issue uh, of safety? Could this be keeping women and children safe? We're going to talk to Dr. Oren Amate, who is a registered psychologist and a media commentator coming up uh, at 945. So let's get into this heat warning that we have on right now. Our first guest this morning is Dave Phillips, who's a senior climatologist with Environment Canada, and we welcome him to the program. Good morning to you, sir. Thanks for taking time for us. Good morning, Jennifer. Nice to be with you. Um, okay, so, gosh, we had wild weather in in much of uh, Ontario yesterday. The tornado warnings were happening and lots of people posting pictures of what appeared to be funnel clouds. I think I saw one of those from Highway 11. Right. I, I live in Barrie area and my cell phone went off about 8.30 last night and uh, went out to the balcony and saw some, some pretty amazing clouds. And yes, there was a touchdown in Oral Medante area and uh, took down a, or at least bent a steel pole. wasn't a, a big guy, but uh, certainly it was uh, uh, a rip roaring in, uh, in parts of uh, Ontario yesterday. And uh, and and clearly, you know, it was hot and humid. I was made, last night. I think it was the warmest night of the summer so far in Kitchener Waterloo. I mean, uh, temperature at seven o'clock this morning. I think it reached this low about twenty two point seven something like that. That's I look back and that's the warmest moment. So clearly we've saw yesterday you didn't get to 30 but certainly the temperatures were were elevated up there to to almost 29 uh, lots of humidity overnight it was pretty warm so really jungle kind of humidities and hot and uh, on that lake breeze front uh, you got a bit of uh, thunderstorm and uh, hey even a even a touchdown it's not been an active year in ontario for thunderstorms and tornadoes uh, but uh, certainly we can see them at the end of the season too so and and looking back on this on this summer uh, that mm. that is still here. I mean, it does feel like we really had quite a, a few days where that Humidex and that famous or infamous, I suppose, uh, Southern Ontario humidity had us way into you know late thirties, early forties. Yes, Jennifer, you're absolutely right, and I think the contrast with last year is so stark. You know, we had um, uh, this year 19 days in Kitchener-Waterloo where the temperature got above 30. That's often our mark of, gee, is it going to be a, a good beer drinking kind of summer? Is it a hot? Uh, uh, and 30 is often the mark that we give to that. Well, you had 19 days. Now, normally you would see seven uh, in an average uh, by this time of the of the of the summer. Last year uh, we had one day in July and August where it was above 30. And you're right, we had more of those hot, steamy days uh, after the first day of fall. We had four of those days. Uh, that was a head shaker for me. I've been in this business a long time, and I think that was one of the biggest surprises, shockers, is that we had summer in the fall, and uh, summer was, well, it went missing in action last year. But you're right, this year we've had um, uh, every month has been warmer than normal. And so that's the other thing, the other, I think, sort of prize this year with regards to the summer. You know, it didn't matter when you took your holidays, could be May, June, July, August. You had some some decent warm weather with it. Yes, it was a little humid at times. And you know, the other thing, too, that precipitation was, you know, was down 
a little bit, but not like we've seen in other very hot years where it was both hot and dry. Precipitation was maybe about 10% less than what you normally would see, but uh, but overall, I think we saw some a lot of days above 30, and they were intensely warm. We saw temperatures that got up to 34 uh, degrees. Uh, so so that's pretty pretty uh, sticky and and hot, and uh, so we can't sort of complain that there wasn't a summer this year. Last year, people kept saying, "Well, when is summer coming?" It was every day was a disappointment. A lot of rain last year, and uh, and this year, I think it's been more what our parents and teachers uh, told us it would be about the summer. Dave Phillips is a senior climatologist climatologist with Environment Canada. Uh, okay, so then let us look then into this September, and if I could be so bold, because of course. You know, Oktoberfest and Thanksgiving is a big deal in this town, Dave. So I know I'm probably pushing the limits of technology. I know what your question is, and I know (laughs) that you're going to put me on the spot here. Well, let's do September anyway. How is this first month, uh, you know, as as many of us kind of consider it the beginning of the year because we have kids in school. What does September look like for us? Well, we, we let's begin. I mean, we know that this heat is going to continue for today and then tomorrow uh, also, and maybe it will end with a thunderstorm and then some very nice temperatures, comfortable kind of, of temperatures, uh, near normal, and uh, even looks like the long weekend. We may see one day with rain, but a 40%er, so it's not going to be a washout. So I think this this uh, long weekend coming up, it looks ideal as we enter September. Now, the thing is, you know, Jennifer, we're still working on our September-October forecast. So I looked at the provisional one, and, you know, it's a little uncertain. I certainly think there's still some summer left in the air, but, you know, you can't hold on to these uh, these hot days. But, you know, it can be a very comfortable. I don't think it'll be as warm as last uh, September, but uh, we may get another one, maybe two days in September above 30, but hey, that's, that's uh, sometimes you can go in September without that. So our models are showing there seems to be a lot of warm air around, but in the Great Lakes area, we're talking about it kind of near normal or a little bit more like that. So I think that the if it's been too hot for you this summer, then hey, you got uh, a nice uh, September to look forward to. And I always think what's great about September and October, Jennifer, it's the free energy time. You don't have your air conditioning mm-hmm. on, you don't have your heat on, <laughs> so it's we're making money and yet the weather can be so comfortable. And you know, a lot of your listeners decide, well, hey, they take their holidays in September. Mm-hmm. because it's not a crowded and less costly and of course the weather is often uh, what uh, what uh, what really cooperates and of course we have that color chain season so I know I'm sort of hedging my bets but uh, the models right now are we're still working on them but it looks like it might be normal to warmer than normal not as excruciatingly warm as we saw last year and uh, but it seems to me delightfully comfortable Dave Phillips senior climatologist with environment Canada all so appreciative of your time and expertise, sir. So thank you for giving them both to us. You're so welcome, Jennifer. En- Bye-bye now. Enjoy today. Bye-bye. Uh, so yeah, Humidex again over 40 de- degrees today. So we, I mean, we know all this already to check on people in the neighborhood and to uh, make sure that the animals have water and make sure they're cool and make sure they're drinking water. Gosh, you know, you pick those kids up from camp and they come out with the water bottle full and you're like, I, I don't even understand that. So, yeah, I know. I give some big lectures about, please drink the bottle of water that your mother lovingly prepared for you. 
Well, I, you know what I mean. Um, so some relief coming up on Wednesday from this heat warning, which is still in effect uh, right here in Waterloo Region. Region of Waterloo um, website actually has a great full list of Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo cooling stations for you as well. I think my favorite one is Harry Class Pool because of the slide. That's a good place. I spent I spent like three months of my pregnancy floating in Harry Class Pool just because... Couldn't do it. Uh, 9.16, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with this Canadian bridezilla story that has gone viral. Uh, producer Luke is here today, our technical producer, recently engaged, first wedding for you, and I am getting married for the second time, I don't know, sometime. There's no pressure. On, I'm not, I don't know. I don't, you probably have way more details of your wedding worked out, Luke, than I do. Of my, you have nothing worked out? Okay, we're going to talk weddings and how um, this Canadian gal, Susan, has uh, made herself look very, very poorly on the internet after this. When extreme weather hits, count on the 570 Extreme Weather Center. Nine twenty. Thanks for coming back with us on Rogers Television and on Five Seventy News. Uh, okay, producer Luke is over there, uh, technical producer today. And Luke, you are uh, recently engaged. Most definitely, yeah. Yes, congratulations. Thank you, and also congratulations to you. Thank you. I loved following the uh, Instagram posts and everything with the whole the whole journey. So yeah, when we were in England, I know. I'm, I mean, I don't keep many things a secret. Actually, I do. When people say, you share everything, I'm like, you should see the things I don't share. <laughs> um, but it was kind of great because you and I were working together on location before you proposed. Absolutely, yeah. And so we were talking about how you were going to propose and, and all of these wonderful things. Um, and so I, I felt like I was in on your secret, which was super fun. Yeah, and you were really helpful, too. I'm like, I don't know if I should do this or that. And just having, like, a, a kind of outside perspective to uh, give a little bit of guidance was fantastic. So, of course, like, it, it ended up being a bit of a, a spur-of-the-moment thing. Like, you know, the lightning struck. I'm like, all right, this is the, the moment. I'm going to do it. And it was it was great. And it was fine. It oh, was, yeah. So where were you? So we, we had kind of, like, a, a full day of just... Uh, I guess doing the kind of hangouts that we normally do around the Waterloo region. Uh, so he went and got like uh, burgers, which we love, and uh, just kind of went around, did a whole bunch of different things, and got back to the apartment pretty late. And I'm like, I, this is the moment. I had a fantastic kind of like date day. Yeah. Uh, I had a whole playlist of music, like important music to us set up. So she just kind of goes out of the room for a second, and I rush over, get the music started, go and get the ring, and get like uh, all this <laughs> other stuff. And I'm standing on the balcony. I'm like, can you come out here with me for a second while the music's playing? And she's like, she thought I was bringing her out on the balcony to show her a cool bug out there or something. Mm-hmm. So I, the music's playing. I bring her out, kind of open up my heart to her, got down on one knee, and she was like crying, hands on the face. I was shaking like a leaf, but it was so uh, perfect. It was great, yeah. Even though you 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 knew she was going to say yes, yeah, it was, right? it was to the point where she was like, uh, you know, there there should be something on this finger. So yeah, <laughs> she knew it was coming. Um, this story this morning is uh, not showing the best side of a bride named Susan. She's Canadian. I have investigated as much as I possibly can to figure out if it was real. Because again, just give it, I mean, it's made headlines from sea to shining sea. And um, it's a story about Susan, Susan who goes on this foul-mouthed Facebook rant against her family and her friends and her wedding guests or the people who were to be her wedding guests because they wouldn't donate money to her wedding. So here's what she wanted. She wanted a $60,000 wedding 
a destination wedding. Um, and she expected everyone she invited to give her $1,500 to attend the wedding. You had to pay $1,500 to attend the wedding. It's a lengthy post. So here's a kind of a quick rundown. If you don't, you know, I don't think I have time to even read half of it, but I really recommend you do read the entire thing. The girl is very well-spoken. She's very articulate. And she's also the most entitled human being I think I've ever come across in my life. And again, this has been verified by some of her family members. She posted this on Facebook. Other people took screenshots of it and shared it with the world. Uh, So uh, Susan, it starts with Susan announcing the cancellation of the wedding and that she and her fiance have split up because of recent and irreparable problems. Uh, She says, before I uh, begin this mini novel, I invite all of you blanks who have ruined my marriage and my life to put put yourself in my shoes. She goes on to explain how she dreamt of having a huge blowout wedding, uh, but she and her partner had only saved fifteen thousand dollars Canadian. Uh, so they turned to their guests to find uh, to fund the rest of the sixty thousand dollar wedding. So that's the deal. You want to come? You have to cough up fifteen hundred dollars. This is a quote from Susan, the bridezilla. I specifically, I mean specifically, asked for cash gifts. How could we have our wedding that we dreamt of without proper funding? You might be asking how this wedding could be so expensive. Well, she wanted this blowout wedding, destination wedding, doesn't tell us where. Also, she enlisted the help of a psychic to find out which venue she should choose. And of course, the psychic said to go with the more expensive option. Um, And then the bride becomes even more upset when people weren't giving them the money they requested. Uh, And um, then... When her fiancé realizes this is not happening, this $60,000 wedding is not happening, he suggests, let's go to Vegas. Let's elope in Vegas. And that sends Susan completely over the edge. Uh, She did not like that suggestion one little bit. Uh, Quote from Susan, he wanted one of those cheap, filthy Vegas weddings. Was he out of his mind? Am I some hooch piece of trash, a hooker? Am I supposed to like the idea of getting married in the heart of shady gamblers, alcoholics? Uh, I had a mini panic attack. So she ends this rant, and again, give yourself a few minutes to read it, saying that she's going to South Africa backpacking for the next two months to get away from the awful people. (sighs) Hi, pot? It's the kettle on line one. Um, (laughs) And I don't know who's paying for Susan to go to South Africa. I'm not sure who's financing that. Maybe she's got a GoFundMe page. I'm not sure. Uh, So off she goes. But is this even, because when I start, I started thinking this is insane. This is insane. $60,000. I mean, if you have the money, by all means, blow it however you want to. But if you don't have it, you can't expect someone else to pay for it. But if we got to the point, though, where, and ugh, people are going to get mad at me, but I have like this firm stance against Jack and Jill's and uh, like what else, what else, stag and doe things. If you want to throw a part, like an engagement party, then throw the party. But to have a party to raise money to pay for your wedding, to me, just seems just too much to ask. And so we were talking about this. I mean, start to think about it. Now, everybody, you have like an engagement party, i.e. stag and doe. There's a shower for the bride, probably. There's a bachelor party for the groom. There's a bachelor party for for the bride. And then there's a wedding. You're looking at five weekends. That's five weekends. Usually, of course, in the summer. I mean, I don't think anybody loves me that much. I wouldn't expect them to. Five weekends of your life. Like, how about we just have a wedding? Do you remember that? 
Here's the wedding. Party's over. One day. You're done. And now, and everybody goes, used to be you went to Vegas for the wedding. Now that's where you go for the bachelor party. Or the, and every time I go to Nashville, I cannot believe how many bachelorette parties are there. Also, yep, totally. Just a little bit jealous. I, that's, I mean, it didn't even occur to me to ask people to spend that much money and come to a bachelor. I didn't have a bachelorette party. I, I feel like my 20s were a bachelorette party. And then I didn't get married till I was like 29. So I didn't have one of those. Um, I don't think I'm going to have one this this uh, second time. Um, but I know it just seems crazy. Everything about weddings seems insane to me these days. It seems insane. $27,000 is the average price for a uh, Canadian wedding. Luke, what say you? $27,000. Can you throw a party, Luke, for $27,000? Well, yeah, but that's a lot of money. I know. <laughs> and you're saying like five weekends? Like, no, no, no. It's, it's going to be one for me. That's way too much. And Way too much going on. People get mad at me every time I say that that Jack and Jill's are baloney. I don't get the party's fine. Throw the party, but this whole like let's ha- it's like a circus when you get there. You got to pay to do every little event, and to me, it's just like why am I pay- if you can't afford your wedding, then have a different wedding. Absolutely right. And it's part of the thing too is like when you start to slap those labels on it, like bachelor party, Jack and Jill party, everything gets like so much more expensive. Yes, if it's just a party, then it's fine. You yes. Can go with your friends, have a good time. But uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be careful. <laughs> here's, so here's the two things. Scotty P, who um, everybody knows is my fiance and now works in this building. He has three days left to dis- decide between these three options. These are the options. Destination wedding. I don't care who comes. I'm going to Jamaica to have a wedding. I don't, I'm no skin off my ass if you don't show up. Honestly, I'm not going to be mad about it. Uh, party here. I need a barn, a food truck, and a band. At P.S. Can you guys send me where? Who has a barn that they'll let me get married in? I need. I need that. I don't have one. I need a barn to get married in here in Waterloo Region. Send me those suggestions, please, if you have any. Or three, we elope. But it's not going to be fun to elope because we have to take our three children with us. You know what I'm saying? So he's got. He told me, let me give me till the end of August to decide. I said that's fine as long as you understand that I might veto that decision. <laughs> You're giving them the illusion of choice here. I think so. What's today? 28th. Okay. Countdown's on. Uh, coming up after 9.30. I'll tell you one thing for sure. It ain't going to cost $27,000. It's just not. Um, there's a new pilot project between uh, the Bridges Shelter and the Cambridge Millets giving uh, homeless people jobs and uh, skills and hope. And it's just such a really cool thing. I saw a lot of you guys talking about it on Twitter yesterday. We'll talk to Lynn Perry, who's the executive director of the Cambridge Shelter Corporation now. Next on 570 News. Making your smart speaker even smarter. Alexa, play 570 News. Playing 570 News. have you back with us. Thank you. 9.34 and that heat wave uh, as we just heard from Pelch. Gonna leave us coming up on Wednesday. Okay. I mean, I don't know what emotions to have about our 9.45 story. I'm perhaps I'm just my ignorance is what is making me kind of like giggly about it. I mean, I just I don't know. North America's first sex doll brothel is going to open in Toronto. Um, and we're going to talk about what that means and what the, uh, like why we need that. 
uh, coming up with Dr. Oren Amate. He's a registered psychologist and a media commentator. We're going to talk about that with him coming up at 9.45. I mean, could this actually be a good thing um, when it comes to... Can I use the word deviant? Is that still something you say? I took a class in college called deviant sexual behavior. Let me tell you something. Nobody missed that class. It was... Nobody missed that class. You could have had that class Thursday night during pub night, full. It was, I mean, it really was a kind of a, an eye-opening uh, um, sort of subject matter. Um, and I, so I want to talk about this with Dr. Oren Amate because, again, is, uh, is this something that will help um, keep women and children safe? Because when I look at the, the price, there's a price list, you guys. Uh I mean, it's, it's, it's expensive. It's expensive. $80 for 30 minutes. $80 for 30 minutes. How much does a sex doll cost? Does anybody, uh, the, my producers are like, why are you looking at us? No, we didn't, we didn't Google that. We're not going to Google that. Anyway, I don't know. Any, we're going to find out why and what and kind of dive into uh, what the clientele of a sex doll brothel um, would uh, would be made up of. Let's talk about something a little more, I suppose, family-friendly right now. There's a new pilot program between Bridges Shelter and the Cambridge Mill uh, that has opened some doors and some hearts and many minds as well. And Lynn Perry, who's the executive director of the Cambridge Shelter Corporation, is uh, on the phone with us to talk about it this morning. Good morning to you, Lynn. Hi, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, this program has such an interesting story. This this program between Bridges and the Cambridge Mill starts with this really kind of cool conversation, this phone call. So why don't you tell us about that? So I received a call from the Cambridge Mill, and we were having a conversation about some of the um, the culture and dialogue happening in the city of Cambridge as it relates to some of the people that I serve and those who struggle with mental health and addictions. And in the conversation, we were chatting through how frustrating it was to hear um, negative and subjective feedback, and we really did have a united desire to create positive change within the community. And it was through that conversation that we developed the Real Jobs for Real People pilot program. So you get this, you get this phone call um, from the, the general manager of the, of the mill, the restaurant, and the event venue, and you kind of think that perhaps he's calling to complain um, about you know, activities that are happening on their property. Absolutely. So um, there are times when we want to have a really good awareness and a really good pulse on what our impact is within the local community and the neighborhood, wanting our neighbors to make sure that they feel comfortable approaching us and wanting them to feel that if they have concerns about how we're impacting their property, that we're open to resolving that collaboratively. So I approached the conversation as though he was calling me about a concern. <laughs> right. And uh, I thought, you know, I really enjoy the irony of it um, now, especially that we are almost through this season of our first um, pilot, because really he wasn't calling with any complaints. He was calling because he wanted to create positive impact. And we really wanted to leverage this opportunity for us to collaborate, to send a message to the community of Cambridge to say that we're here for positive change. We want to work hard towards positive change. We want to create an impact in the community where people experience new opportunities in areas in which they would traditionally receive barriers. 
The wonderful thing about this pilot project and the media attention that it has been getting is we've had many employers in the city of Cambridge come forward wanting to create the same thing within their workplace. And that really was the drive to, to have a pilot project that we worked on with our neighbor, but the, to create the ripple impact within the community to see the opportunity for people to support our work and the people that we serve here at Bridges. So that call from Alex, um, from the uh, Kastner from the Cambridge Mill, um, spawns this amazing program where uh, the Real Jobs for Real People program, where those who are at the shelter are employed at the restaurant's farm and paid competitive wages. They are real jobs for real people. It was extremely important to us that this wasn't a handout, it was a hand up. It was an opportunity that somebody could choose to take or not take. Um, we really do b- believe in creating an environment where someone is very independent and self-directed. And the result of that is we've seen people grasp the opportunity and really run with it. Isn't it amazing what a grown adult will do when we give them the space to make good choices? Yeah, it's really, um, it's so inspiring. Like you mentioned now that this has got a a wonderful ripple effect happening where other businesses are saying, wow, this is working. This is great. Why don't we participate in something like this? Because I think this this conversation that's been happening um, in Cambridge uh, and and beyond, this is not a a problem specific to Cambridge. Not at all. Yeah, it's been very divisive. And there's been, you know, a lot of anger. There's been a lot of judgment. There's been a lot of people whose hearts seem to be open and understanding as well. So it's not all bad. But I think that the common denominator in the conversations is, what do you want the end result to be? What do, you, what do we want? Well, we want people to be healthy. We want people to have homes. We want people to uh, be supported as they battle anything, including addiction. We, we, that's what we want. So collectively, the results that we want are the same. I don't think anybody wants to see anyone, you know, uh, suffer or, or have to, um, endure circumstances, um, that, that, that no one perhaps would, would choose. So with this, it's, it kind of cancels out the, the judgment, the, the, some of those arguments you hear that, I mean, I'm not even going to repeat them because they're just stupid to me. <laughs> I um, appreciate that. <laughs> they're just dumb. They're, and, and the end result here, when you give people, um, an opportunity, when you give people respect, when you give people, um, you know, a, a, um, a, a chance, they certainly do rise to the occasion and are very capable of, um, of, of you know, kind of um, and being better for themselves. I mean, here at the Bridges, I strongly believe that we battle negativity and subjectivity with positive change in data. And I strongly believe, and it is, it is part of the core culture of my organization, that people will rise to the expectations that you set for yes, them. Yes, yes. And what I have experienced is that when I set high expectations for people, they meet them. And then we get to have a conversation about how capable they are. But you have to understand that people don't come up from shame and blame. That's right. You can shame and blame somebody mm-hmm. into a corner. And so creating a work environment where somebody can just be who they are, where they can work through the challenges of mental health while adapting and adopting and growing within an employment opportunity, something they haven't had access to maybe ever, and to see them experience the motivation that comes through task accomplishment has been the most rewarding part of the whole pilot. Lynn Perry is our guest uh, this morning. She's the executive director of the Cambridge Shelter Corporation. I think that's such an important, important uh, point you make when it comes to humanity in general and 
gosh, I even use it in my house with my kids. When you set an expectation, that is inherently telling someone you believe in them. You can do this, and uh, and and I know you will. I'm, so that it kind of um, is giving somebody something that, like you mentioned, perhaps they've not ever had before, and that the blame and shame is certainly not going to work. It's not going to motivate. Um, but when you when you do set an expectation, that is sending the message that you believe that this person is 100% capable of meeting that expectation. And that is exactly the conversation that I have with the people that I serve here, is that I have high expectations of you because I know that you are capable. And I'm not going to budge on those expectations mm-hmm. because sometimes it's hard to live up to our capabilities. It must... And what I have seen is the positive impacts. I've seen people try things that they would never have tried before because they just have always assumed that they're incapable yeah. because we have blamed and shamed them into believing mm-hmm. they're not capable. Lynn, it's not an easy job you do. I mean, like, I love the way you speak. Um, you say the people that you serve. I think that's so beautiful. And also, um, I, I know that uh, lots of the community has been supportive of you. And I know that probably your phone, some days on the phone are, are pretty tough f- for you as well. So I just really appreciate your passion and the and the love that you put into what you do. And I'm certain it helps carry you through on some of those rougher days. I really appreciate the opportunity to spread the message about positive change because uh, that is really the role that my organization is playing in the community and it's really nice to be loud about it. It certainly is. It, so if people or businesses uh, want more information about how to be part of Real Jobs for Real People, the, uh, that program um, with you, Lynn, at the Cambridge Shelter Corporation, what do they need to do? They can give me a shout here at the shelter. Um, I'm here quite a bit (laughs) and I would love to hear from all of those community partners. I'm really excited for us to solve community challenges collaboratively as community partners. It's just a wonderful program and it's a beautiful story and I'm so glad that uh, you joined us to tell it this morning. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you so much. You have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I just think it's wonderful. And Cambridge Mill, yes. Oh, there's a wedding venue, right? Support the people who are doing good things. Uh, for our communities and for the people in our communities. That's wonderful. I'm just super, super proud of, uh, of the Cambridge Mill for, for the idea and the Cambridge Shelter for um, being so eager to be part of it. What a great thing. Uh, all right, 9.45, we're going to switch gears. Do I need like a parental advisory? I should have thought this through. I don't know if we need a parental advisor. At this point, I mean, let's bring on the complaints. Uh, there is a sex doll brothel opening in Toronto. It's North America's first sex doll brothel. Who uses a sex doll brothel and why? We're going to find out from Dr. Oren Amate, who's a registered psychologist and media commentator. That is next here on 570 News. Take flight with Canada's team. I want to fly. Follow the Toronto Blue Jays through all 162. That's Every walk-off hit, every game-saving catch, every heart-pounding strikeout. 570 News, your home for Toronto Blue Jays baseball. Okay, I mean, I just fully admit that I'm being, I'm being super judgy about... Doll brothel. I am, and I don't know where. Um, I'm not sure where it's kind of coming from, 
probably not understanding. Usually that's where kind of, you know, fear comes from is ignorance, right? Like you don't, I don't get it. Um, so here's the story. A bro- this is from our sister station um, from um, City News. It's a There's a brothel set to open in Toronto's North End. Um, it's the first one in uh, North America, first sex doll brothel in North America, set to open September the 8th in a plaza at Young near Shepherd. Um, that also in there, a nail salon, a massage parlor. We know what that means, right? What is that bad product placement? Well, I mean, I'm just come on, uh, and a dry cleaner. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> I didn't read that part. Aaron, you should have told me about the dry cleaner. I should have. No, that's on me. I'm not going to blame Shift. I sh- I'm owning that. I should have. I should have read that. I mean, maybe that is good product placement. The dry cleaner is good product placement. I'm just saying the massage parlor and the doll brothel could be competing with each other. Dry cleaner is in the right spot, though. <laughs> okay, so the brothel is. Uh, this is how it looks. This is from the director of the of the brothel. Marketing director. Did you know that sex doll brothels have marketing directors? Um, they the guests come in. They have their own room. They have TV monitors playing adult entertainment and a doll, which will be ready and waiting for you in the room. You go on the website and you can see the name, photo, and description of the doll and the rates as well. I and I'm also a little shocked by this. They're, it's kind of pricey. Eighty dollars for one doll for thirty minutes, up to nine hundred and sixty dollars for two dolls for four hours. Because of this job, and because I've traveled to some shady places, I mean, I think that's more expensive than an actual prostitute. In some cases, not like Julia Roberts style. I don't, I, I mean, really. Also, I fully support legalization of prostitution. That's shocking to no one. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not condemning the act of the oldest profession in the world. Okay, so it's the doll part that's getting me. It's the doll part. It is. It, why is that? Why does it freak me out? I don't know, but it does. Uh, you will go, you only interact with the dolls when you visit the business. It has a private entrance at the back, a buzzer system to exit. Um, the director of the uh, brothel says the customer will put their payment down on the counter and go straight to their room. They'll probably not bump into a single person. There's no staff there, just a camera. Payment is taken at the beginning. You go into the room, you do your time, and just leave. The company also encourages uh, the use of lube and condoms and says the dolls will be cleaned after each customer doing a three-step routine to get them as clean as possible. As clean as possible? No, that's not as possible. Um, This is believed to be the first of its kind in Canada, but they've opened elsewhere in the world, including Europe, where people have raised concerns over the dehumanization and objectification of women. Let's talk about this with Dr. Oren Amate, who's a registered psychologist and media commentator. It's good to hear from you again, sir. Thanks for taking time for us. Thank you. Thank you. I am I am I like kind of normal here where it all makes me kind of a little bit weirded out? Yeah, I don't like to use words normal, normal. and abnormal. What it's does that mean? Typical. Typical. Common. Okay. Yes. What is it about the doll thing? I suppose that because I'm I'm really uh, Dr. Amate. I'm as I'm as open minded and liberal as I think that I could possibly be. But it's something about the doll that kind of is off 
off-putting to me, not saying that it shouldn't be whatever is, you know, up anybody else's alley. What What is that about? I'm not, I guess I'm asking you to analyze what, what that is in my brain. It's funny. I was going to say, lie down, yeah. tell me about your mother, and we're going to find out why you're having these reactions. But I don't think we have enough time. For well, probably not. Um Things that I have read, though, talk about how this is perhaps a good thing for, uh, can I call it deviant sexual behaviors, that this perhaps would um, give uh, people that have, um, you know, kind of thoughts that are not deemed okay within North American societies an, an outlet See, this is the problem, and um, I've heard different people talk about these things, not just for, you know, with the dolls, but in, uh, other phenomena where the question is, if you give people an outlet like this, does it kind of reduce those feelings in real life so that you don't act out on them, or does that become the bridge to actually doing it so it's no longer fantasy? Now you've done it in a behavior uh, with a doll, and now it's possible that you could do that with a real person. And we've never done any actual experiments. The only uh, the only conclusions or the inferences that we can make are based on trying to take other studies that are sort of related to it and seeing whether it would make sense. But nobody has actually done that experiment to see whether it would lead somebody to either repress those feelings in real life or to act out on them. Right. Because we, we, we do have science that, you know, th- sometimes, you know, um, some of these, these behaviors are kind of progressive, Exactly. And, you know, and that's the hard thing to know. And a lot of times when I see colleagues talk about this, uh, their decisions on this is based more on their ideology. So someone who's very sex positive is more likely to say, no, come on. It's just, it's, it's just extending the fantasy. Whereas the people who are more prudish would say, oh, exam, you know, this is definitely going to, it's like the gateway drug to real life. Um, terrible behavior. And I'm not sure if you were planning on going here, but we might as well ratchet it up to 11. Uh, You know, the other big, big question that this brings along, and this has been going around the last couple of years, is what about child sex dolls? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... um, I read read an article not so long ago about a person who... um, was a pedophile and and from his own um words not an active pedophile he didn't he didn't he didn't like this about himself he didn't want to be right. a pedophile um when we talk about things like that we're talking about two different groups people who are acting on these urges and people who are not right and when we talk about that some people, I don't want to get into a whole lesson on yeah. it, but people need to understand there are differences. So somebody who offends against a child once or twice uh, is not necessarily a pedophile. They're a child sex offender, whereas a pedophile doesn't necessarily act on their urges. Mm-hmm. We don't know what percentage. I've spoken to the experts in the field, and we can't say what percentage of these pedophiles act on their feelings or not. Uh, but many of them, and, and the leading experts in the field these days, like James Cantor and Michael Sito, they believe it's biological. They believe it's an orientation, that they're born this way. And if you don't act on it, you're just cursed with this horrible orientation. If you do act on it, you're a psychopath. So for the people who don't want to act on it, would these love dolls, again, be the cure? Would they be able to kind of get out their uh, their urges on these dolls? Or would it make them more prone than actually acting out in real life since they've been repressing it or suppressing it mm-hmm. for so long? Now I've done the behavior. Now I see how good it could feel. Am I going to go in the real world and now lure children? And once again, the answer is we do not know. 
Uh, there's a lot of shame still that surrounds sex, and I mean, in any form, is this kind? Of, is this doll brothel something that is helpful in advancing, um, you know, sex workers' safety? Is it something that they would, you know, encourage? Uh, wouldn't it take? Will it take business away from sex workers? I just wonder how people um, in the industry already would feel about it. Yeah, that's tricky because if you told a sex worker that um, that these dolls would allow men who are going to seek out this type of gratification anyway, if you tell them that they're going to, you know, only take out their, their violence on, on a doll and not on real-life sex workers, I'm sure they'd be relieved. The question is, would that actually happen mm-hmm. or would the sex workers rightfully think, but wait a second, if they're going to do it with these dolls, are they going to think, ooh, yep. that's, I get bored pretty quickly and go further? So I'm not sure how the sex workers would feel about this. Would they be worried about losing money? Well, even with the dolls, um, if the dolls didn't exist, there's still going to be a lot of competition among real-life people. So I don't think this is going to magically replace all humans, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the price point that you mentioned. Um, you know, it's, it's not yeah. like it's much, much cheaper. If it was two dollars, you know, people are going to sure. be lining up uh, just for, just to save money. Yeah. So, um, so I, I don't think it's going to change it that much. Um, I do think for some people it will be just like it's an experience. It'll be a fun thing for guys to try because they've never done it before. For other people, um, it's going to be it's going to help them act out on something they already have because some people do have that fetish for dolls. And so these are, you know, they're thinking, great, I don't have to purchase one for $10,000 or something like that or more. They can go. Is that how much they cost? Oh, at least. Wow. It depends on how good, because these are, they're called real dolls. They used to be like wow. five to $10,000 20 years ago. And they've only got better. I mean, it, it's it's a it's a fascinating conversation. And I had th- I thought I had heard everything, but I've, clearly I still have. The more you know, the more you know. You do not know, uh, Doctor Oren Amate. I thank you for taking time for us this morning. I mean, I could talk about this for another hour, but to, frankly, we got to get to the news. So, well, <laughs> thank- you can call me in private. And again, I've got the couch. And- thank you, <laughs> okay. thank you. I'll do that. I'll do that, sir. Thanks so much. Have a great morning. You too. Uh, totally out of time. Jeff Pickles so happy that I got to do that topic, and he doesn't have to. I think he's in next for Mike Farwell on 570 News.